Happy New Year, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Main Street Telegraph. If you've never listened before, I'm your host, B, and in this podcast, I deliver Disney news without all the hullabaloo. I started this show because while there are Disney podcasts out there that I enjoy that have extensive commentary, there just wasn't anything that got straight to the point. So here I am. I'm generally family friendly, but I do cover incidents that result in injury or death at the parks, as well as some stories that may not paint the Disney company in the best light. At the Main Street Telegraph, we deliver news about Disney entertainment, parks both in the US and around the world, though I am very Disneyland focused and all the movements and deals made by the Walt Disney Company, without my lengthy opinion, usually. All in 15 minutes or less, which I've really been eating into, so let's get going. Today's trivia question is, how many years has the show Illuminations Reflections of Earth been running at Disney's Epcot in Florida? Again, Happy New Year! As always, Disney parks are a pretty popular place to celebrate, and this year was no different. The Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World actually shut its gate at 11.30 that morning. It was announced via Walt Disney World's Twitter feed. And they were sure to point out that their other parks, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom were all accepting guests. If you missed it, Fantasy in the Sky, New Year's Celebration was live-streamed on the Disney Parks YouTube channel, and is still available for viewing. I'll post a link over at MainStreetTelegraph.com. It's a shame that Epcot wasn't more popular. The day before was the last time Illuminations, with a capital N, Reflections of Earth, could be viewed with its Christmas finale. And the 31st, the last day, to view the New Year's finale. Illuminations utilizes fireworks and lasers and has been at Epcot since 1999, originally as Illuminations 2000, Reflections of Earth. It was so popular that after the Millennium Celebration was over, the 2000 was dropped from the name. To answer today's trivia question, it has been playing for nearly 20 years. You have until the end of summer this year to see it at the World Showcase. Even more sad news, would you believe that ticket prices are going up again? Parking at Disneyland has gone up to $25 from $20, a 25% increase. Ticket prices have gone up between 7.2% and 10.4%, making the lowest single-day ticket on low-demand days $104. Annual passes have taken a hit too, going up between 8.1% and 23.4%. The Southern California Select Pass sits at $399, with blackout dates of all the weekends, most of the summer, as well as holidays. According to the Los Angeles Times, that's about 211 days that you can't go to the park. The Deluxe Pass is now at $799, and the Premier Pass, with no blockout dates and parking included, is now at $1,949, a $370 increase. Even Max Pass, the recent Fast Pass upgrade option that once cost $10, will now cost $15. There is some light, however, starting on January 7th, tomorrow. Disneyland will be offering a deal on three-day tickets to SoCal residents. Southern California residents, for those not in the know. Valid form of ID and proof of residency will be required. A three-day one park per day will go for $179 and a three-day park hopper for $234. But hurry, as this deal will only be available for a limited time. With Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars experience set to open at the park this June, 
one can see this as an attempt at crowd control. And it's a bit nicer to see a price increase as a new 14-acre area will be opened up versus the price increases we experienced in the last couple of years, where it seemed like half the park was shut down. And yes, you heard right. Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland will be opening this June, and we can expect Florida's version to open in the fall. Previously, all we knew was that we could expect it summer of 2019, but in Bob Iger's recent interview with Barron's, he revealed the information in a rather off-the-cuff way. He was asked, since so much money is being invested in the parks, how confident was he in the return? Does he feel like he can bring more people through the parks, or is it more about growing ticket prices? He responded, quote, In sum, you get more repeat visitation and increased length of stay because there's more to do. You get more capacity. When Star Wars opens in Anaheim in June and in Florida later in the year, that's adding capacity. You're adding 14 acres of land, more rides, more things for people to do. It's the biggest land we've ever built. We're just getting higher demand on our products spread throughout the year. That gives you pricing leverage. But what we're also trying to do is be much smarter about pricing strategy to try to spread attendance and reduce attendance in the peak periods so we can improve guest satisfaction. Crowding is an issue. I think most of us see the annual passes as one of the things responsible for the crowding in the parks that we see today, but ironically it was introduced so that more people would be walking through the doors more days of the year, purchasing items within the park. However, depending on how often or how long you wish to stay at either resort, the annual pass is still a prudent choice with some benefits. In the same interview, Bob Iger discussed the upcoming streaming service Disney+. Plus. The first move towards Disney Plus occurred back in 2016 when they acquired a platform called BamTech, which was created by Major League Baseball. He also revealed the monetary losses that come with moving into something new like this. For example, he stated that five or six additional films will be created in 2019 just for the platform. They are also losing revenue that came from licensing their films to Netflix. Of the content you can expect, Iger made it very clear what you won't see premiering on Disney+. Plus. Quote, Our studio makes between 8 and 10 movies a year, and they're big budget, hopefully big box office films, that really belong, we believe, on the big screen. We're not looking to take one of those and put it on this platform. He also said, Almost every movie the studio makes is a 100 million plus movie, and we're not looking to make movies at that level for the service. We're looking to invest significantly in television series, and we're looking to make movies that are higher budget, but nothing like that. We wouldn't make a Star Wars movie for this platform. When everybody goes out on the weekend and you have a movie that opens up to 200 million, there's a buzz that creates that enhances value. We like that. And eventually the movies we're making are going to end up on the service. For you Avatar fans out there, Iger did mention that there are two films coming and two more in the pipeline that have not been greenlit. I'm not really sure how much information is out there on Avatars, I'm not a huge fan, but he did say the new films are sequels, continuing the story seen in the first film, with the same characters. He is very confident that the new films will do well, saying, quote, it didn't take 2.5 billion worldwide by accident. There's something there. So how is the streaming service competition doing right now? Well, somewhat notable is Netflix's hiring of Spencer Newman who had worked for the Disney company in several capacities in the past. Newman was CFO of the Walt Disney Internet Group from 1999 to 2001. 
who was also executive vice president of ABC from 2001 to 2004. And from 2012 to 2017, he was CFO and executive vice president of global guest experience at Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. And Netflix is likely in need of good people, considering the amount of competition in the works and the amount of money they are spending on original content. Now, as Iker pointed out in his own interview, this is a situation where you have to take losses now to make profits later. And Netflix has had a negative cash flow for a while now, but Disney has an edge. They won't just have their films and TV shows delivered directly to the consumer. You can go meet those characters in the parks, buy merchandise. In other words, Disney doesn't just make money selling you a ticket to see their newest movie, or in this case, your monthly subscription fee to watch them all. While Netflix has benefited from having very little competition, that time has ended. In 2017, half of Americans between 22 and 45 years old didn't watch cable television at all. Netflix was part of the revolution called cord cutting, but the thing is, with more competition and the nature of the internet, people watching anything they want whenever they want to, it's not enough just to have all the seasons of some old TV shows. You have to create. Which, as I said earlier, they have, which is why they are in so much debt. And it's hard to track how popular many of them are in comparison to broadcast TV. Meanwhile, Disney owns five out of the ten highest-earning movies released in 2018, which will then be available on their streaming service. If you really want to make it about Disney versus Netflix, which the media is doing, it's probably safe to predict that Disney will be more successful. I mean, it's Disney. The clothing and hands of a retired animatronic character were stolen from a backstage area at Walt Disney World. The character was Buzzy, who was in the Wonders of Life attraction at Epcot. The Orlando Sentinel story did not make it clear if the character was being stored backstage in Epcot. The items were valued at $600, but it is likely that they could go for more on the black market. The Wonders of Life Pavilion opened in 1989 at Epcot and closed in 2007 but it took until 2009 for all traces of the attraction to be removed. The pavilion revolved around health and wellness with attractions Cranium Command and Body Wars, as well as a theater showing The Making of Me, a film about conception and birth starring Martin Short, as well as a restaurant. Reddit users are banding together to get an early viewing of the upcoming Avengers Endgame for a fellow Redditor who is battling two types of cancer, and bone marrow failure. User Alexander posted in the Marvel Studios subreddit yesterday describing his situation and asking fellow Redditors how he could possibly get an early screening. Now users are attempting to get the attention of Marvel Studios with the hashtag avengers for alexander for being the number four. They've gotten some attention as the Avenger who works on visual effects for the movie had said that he will try to let those above him know about this request and has offered his ticket to the advanced screening, which will occur about a week before the official release. Another user on what looks like a throwaway account claimed to also work on the film and said that if it didn't work out for him to have an early showing that he would violate the non-disclosure agreement he signed and tell him all about it. So far, there has been no response from Disney. Some major repairs will be taking place at Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland, with the park spending about 300 grand on a new roof. This work will continue through the spring and require the closure of the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough on January 17th. 
Of course, there's a lot of other construction happening at the park, with Galaxy's Edge and the new parking garage with a capacity of 6,000. And we are entering refurbishment season with the holidays over, so let's take a look at the schedule. The Astro Orbiter in Tomorrowland will be closing tomorrow, January 7th, with an unknown reopen date. The Haunted Mansion will also be closing tomorrow with a reopening date of the 18th. The sailing ship Columbia will be down the 19th, but will be back about mid-2019, so probably this summer. It's a Small World will also be closed from the 22nd to the 1st of February. And Splash Mountain will be closed on the 4th of February with an unknown reopening date. Over in California Adventure, Grizzly River Run will be closed starting tomorrow with an unknown reopening date. And the Golden Zephyr will be closing the 27th and planned reopen on the 3rd of February. And so far, it doesn't seem that there's any word on when World of Color will be returning. Over in the Magic Kingdom in Florida, the Tomorrowland Speedway closed on the 2nd of this month and has a planned reopen date of May 18th. And Peter Pan's flight will be closing tomorrow with a planned reopen date of the 2nd of February. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. You can find the Main Street Telegraph at MainStreetTelegraph.com, where you can listen to and download shows, as well as view the show notes. You can also find MST on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Overcast. And if you're so inclined, you can also ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode. You can contact me, B, with any questions, concerns, compliments, corrections, or criticisms at MainStreetTelegraph at gmail.com. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a rating. And if you really loved it, tell a friend. So long until next week.